0: In association with the Sice Europe Journal of Global Affairs, this is the Analyst Interview Project. I'm Matthew Schleich. Today we're sitting down with arms expenditure analyst Alexander Marksteiner to talk Ukraine and how Europe is reacting budgetarily. Alexander Marksteiner is a graduate of the Johns Hopkins School of Advanced International Studies, as well as the undergraduate college, and is currently working for the Stockholm International Peace Research Institute. This interview was recorded on March 2nd, 2022, and given the fluidity of the Ukrainian conflict, events may have changed before the publishing of this podcast. I'll see you after the show. Hi, Alexandra. Thanks for joining us. Uh, before we get started, could you tell us a bit about your work and what sort of topics you focus on?
1: Sure. Uh, first of all, you know, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Um, as for me, uh, I'm currently working as a researcher with the SIPRI uh, military expenditure and arms production program. We are uh, in charge of, of maintaining our military expenditure and arms production databases. Uh, and in these databases, we pretty much go through about 150 countries a year and collect data on their, their military spending. And then, you know, we, we format that uh, and, and make it available to the public.
0: Great. We'll dive right in. As a primer, how would you characterize German defense spending historically?
1: Very interesting question. Um, so, you know, kind of looking at the past 10 years or so, um, in, in about 2009, I believe, uh, Germany got rid of conscription. Uh, and then in the following years, you know, military spending um, continuously decreased. It was all, It was also a reaction to the financial crisis and, and you know, shifting priorities, a lot of resources had to be spent in order to contain that damage. And, and so there was less focus on, on military spending. Um, military spending then hit a low in about 2014, 2015. Um, but then around that time, you know, you had the annexation of Crimea by Russia and also the, the NATO Wales Summit uh, where the the I want to say famous or infamous. Two percent of GDP spending goal was um, was codified, and then after that, you you saw a slow shift in, in German military spending. Uh, you know, every couple of years they would add you know a few billion to the budget, um, but it, but it was you know it was at a at a slow but steady pace, particularly compared to you know what we heard on, on Sunday. So currently, German military spending stands um, around one5 1.6%, depending on what your definition is. Um, So Germany is still quite far away from hitting the 2% goal, particularly uh, given the fact that the deadline is supposed to be in two years, in in 2024.
0: Great. And on Sunday, the German chancellor Olaf Scholz announced a new plan for a one-off defense expenditure of 100 billion euros. Could you fill us in on some of the details of that plan?
1: Yes. Uh, so in a, in a speech in front of the, the Bundestag, you know, the, the German parliament, Scholz proposed the creation of a special fund. It's called a Sondervermögen in German. Um, and as you rightly say, that's that's 100 billion euros. And it's supposed to fund specifically military procurement and investment uh, in order to address the, the capability gap that we see in, in the German military. Uh, he also pledged to keep German military spending above the NATO two percent target for the foreseeable future. Um, so, you know, part of that is going to come through the special fund, but we also expect to see some sort of increase in the regular budget for the Ministry of Defense, right? Because if you raise, if if you if you increase uh, investment to mili- into military procurement, you also have to. Think about, you know, we need more more soldiers to operate that equipment. Um, you know, we need more money for from for maintenance of that equipment. So, you know, there are some other costs involved with this. Um, but I think against against the, the backdrop that I've just you know tried to outline, this is a this is a huge, a humongous shift in in German defense and security policy. And another thing to note is that the hundred billion, you know, that's actually twice what Germany Spends on defense uh, currently per year, so it's it's really quite a large number. But one of the main questions that remain is over how many years will that special fund actually be spent? Um, you know, because procurement processes are uh, notoriously slow. You know, the German Ministry of Defense probably won't be able to spend it uh, over a year or two. It, we're looking at a time horizon probably more like five years. Some people even say ten years. Um, But but even then, you know, if you, if just for simplicity's sake, we assume a time horizon of 10 years, that's that's an annual investment of of 10 billion, uh, that would essentially double what the Bundeswehr currently has for for procurement and and investment. So, uh, you know, even though the the 100 billion will be added to the 2022 budget, it's not going to be spent all in 2022. Um, this This is going to take a while. But by, by making a special fund for it, you know, Schultz wanted to ensure that this money is specifically earmarked for military procurement and investment and can't be diverted to any other purposes.
0: Though this spending won't impact the current situation in Ukraine, Schultz did reference the conflict several times during the sitting of the Bundestag where he unveiled the plan. In what ways does the invasion and subsequent spending shift the political and strategic environment in Europe?
1: As you rightly say, you know this won't have a direct effect on the situation in Ukraine. Um, in, in that case, the announcement of, of German arms exports to Ukraine is, is probably far more far more relevant. Um, but but the announcement or the proposal of this special fund and you know the pledge to keep German military spending above two percent is indicative of of heightened threat perceptions in Europe. I think you know that is something that's that's also become very apparent in 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 the coverage of this crisis. You know, for the for the first time in decades, we see this full blown war in the heart of Europe, um, and and we haven't seen that in this magnitude in in quite some time. So, um, you know, even though the even though the war is is currently limited to Ukraine, the fact that no one can really guarantee that that Putin will stop at that, uh, I think scares a lot of uh, Europeans and and has mounted the pressure on on European capitals to, to respond appropriately.
0: There's obviously a lot of tension between policymakers and NATO countries about how much or how little to engage in deterrence. Are we seeing the movement and transfer of arms as an effective tool of the West to help Ukraine without engaging Russia directly?
1: That is a very good question. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, it will it will come down to exactly what weapon systems are uh, are exported, how many of them in what time frame uh, you know whether whether these will even be able to be used by by the Ukrainian armed forces over the weekend. there was a you know there was a big announcement out of the European Union that um, that the eu would would send fighter jets to um, to Ukraine. Unfortunately, you know, there's only there's only a set number of, of, of systems that Ukrainian pilots are familiar with, so that that's, you know, um, there were only a, a few countries that even had those systems that, that they could export. And now, you know, there's there are questions about whether or not this is even happening. So I think, you know, it's 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 early on, we don't know the, the full scale of what's going to happen to European arms exports to European military expenditure. Um, so it's 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 really difficult to predict. But I think something to emphasize here is just just like the announcement that Schultz made about the the, the special fund, the fact that you know the Germans are now sending arms to a conflict zone um, is is significant. The Swedes have the, the the Swedes have also followed suit, um, and and these countries historically have the policy of not of not sending arms to conflict zones. They've you know, at times, depending on your definition of conflict, uh, they renect on, on, on that principle. But doing it so openly now um, is, is, is truly significant.
0: And so for the last question, I want to give listeners something concrete to take with them. What events or indicators should we be looking out for in relation to arms expenditure and transfers in Europe over the next few days, next few weeks, next few months? Let's start with the next few days.
1: So over the next few days, um, you know, I I think listeners should be on the lookout for further announcements of of arms exports. Uh, What I just mentioned, you know, what kind and what scope and how fast. Um, I I foresee that there will be more announcements to that nature made in the next couple of days. Um, Over the next couple of weeks, you know, we are going to have, uh, we're actually going to have the the German budget request in, in writing. Um, so we'll be able to know what exactly that encompasses, what the final numbers turn out to be, um, and whether or not it even gets passed. You know, uh, something to emphasize here is that the, um, that, that what Schultz mentioned in his speech, that was a proposal. And for many budgetary and, and also political reasons, this, uh, this proposal, if it gets passed, needs to be anchored in the German Grundgesetz. It's the German version of the constitution. Um, and that will require a two-thirds majority. And you know we're not entirely sure yet uh, if if everyone in his coalition is going to vote for it. and we're also not sure if you know opposition members joining in will get Schulz to the two-thirds mark. it It remains to be seen. Um, and then over the next couple of months, uh, you know we're also currently waiting on the on the u s. budget request for the upcoming fiscal year. Uh, we don't know exactly yet when that's going to be published, but it will be interesting to see whether or not this the situation is reflected in it and whether, uh, you know, the U.S., which already spends, um, you know, by secret definition, 800 uh, billion U.S. dollars, um, whether or not the, the defense budget will be further increased uh, to, to, meet, to meet the needs of the day. Um, It's also going to be interesting to see how this will be thematized in in the upcoming French presidential election. Uh, You know, now there's there's eyes on on the other major NATO allies and and, and in what direction their defense spending is going to go.
0: Great. Thanks so much. And that's it for today. The Analyst Interview Project is an ongoing series of interviews with subject matter experts of contained topics within conflict management and strategy. Are you an analyst? Do you want to talk specifics? Drop me a line. At Matthew Schleich on Twitter, it's S-C-H-L-E-I-C-H. If you want to donate or get involved in fundraising through SICE Europe for Ukrainian victims of war, also feel free to reach out. I can point you in the right direction. There's an amazing group of SICE women leading the charity effort. They would absolutely appreciate your support if you're willing to give it. The SICE Europe Journal of Global Affairs is a graduate student-run organization at the Johns Hopkins University School of Advanced International Studies. The journal publishes peer-reviewed articles for policymakers, academics, and professionals. They've kindly given me some space for this project. For more information, visit the journal online at saisjournal.eu. That's S-A-I-S-J-O-U-R-N-A-L dot E-U.